I appreciate the prayer on my behalf. It is my wish as well that whatever I have to say tonight, it won't be Carrie's opinion. Because when Carrie has his opinion, it doesn't always come out right. Hopefully this is what God says, and, and that will lead us on the right path. Before we get started, I was going to tell you, about a year ago, Robin and I had a little trip planned, and uh, so we weren't going to be here today. We were going to be gone. And of course, with everybody else, you know that all your plans, all our plans have changed over the last few months. And I was kind of feeling sorry for myself because we weren't going to get to go on this little trip. Even as of yesterday, I was just kind of moping around thinking, man, we would have been there, you know, blah, blah. Had I not been here, I wouldn't have heard that great lesson this morning. That was awesome. I just, I tell you what, that was, that was very, very good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad I was here and I wasn't on my little trip. That was, that was a great lesson. I just really enjoyed it and um, it, it really spoke to me a lot. And, you know, I got to thinking about how precious the Bible is and I had kind of forgotten about that. I've got a lot of Bibles in my house, you know, and I never realized just what all it took to, to write those manuscripts out and everything. So anyway, I appreciated that this morning. It was very good. If you weren't here, you need to listen to that on the podcast. It was very good. Or even better yet, look at it on YouTube so you can see the, see the PowerPoint. Okay, we're going to start in Acts chapter 5. We're going to read the first 11 verses, and then we'll discuss this. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her at her, at, by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Now, this is a story that's probably very familiar with, to most of you. Um, I hope that some discussion that I have t this evening will 
bring out something that you might not have known. But let's face it, lying is a very bad thing to do. And uh, they found out the hard way. This chapter starts out with the word, but. And it's really a contrast between two people. You remember last week when Coulter went over chapter 4, it ended with, uh, in verses 36-37, where, where it said Barnabas, uh, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So, he sold his land and all the money that he had he, he gave. The difference here, the contrast here, is that Ananias and Sapphira did not do that. They didn't tell the whole truth. There's a, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, I looked up the meaning of these two names, Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias is, is, comes from the Hebrew word, or, or from Hebrew, and it uh, means the Lord is gracious. And Sapphira is from Aramaic, and it means beautiful. So the Lord is gracious and, and beautiful. And yet these two people having these, these names that, said, that, that mean these things still didn't do the right thing. Which tells me and you, and we know this, but we have to be reminded sometimes that church members are not immune to sin. Or you might say temptation. Um, many times when people become a Christian, you know, they're excited as they should be, and as we should be. But the first time they fall to temptation, um, because they're, they're thinking, well, now everything is just going to be a, you know, a bed of roses, but they forget about the thorns on the roses. Um, we are not immune from sin. Satan wants us more than he wants those that don't know him. And tonight, he might be working on you. you he might be, you know, wanting you to not be listening to this, this lesson might be wanting you to think about what you're going to eat afterwards or what you're going to do tomorrow or doing anything but listening to God's Word because He doesn't want you to hear it. So He, he is here as well. We have to remember that and we have to uh, concentrate. But the early disciples, as it said, there were selling possessions and laying them at the apostles' feet to give to the needy. They, as has been from the first chapter up to this point, said they had all things in common. They wanted to help one another. They wanted to uh, take care of one another. As we should. As we should as well. And I think this congregation is a very loving, giving con congregation. Uh, but we just need to never forget that we need to help others that are in need. So back in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45, we see that because we go back and it says, And all that believed were together and had all things in common, 
and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now the difference here is that Ananias and Sapphira wanted some of the glory. They wanted, you know, they wanted some praise for what they did. Um, they didn't really want to completely depart from their possessions. They loved their possessions or they loved money too much. And so they went, they together, husband and wife, went in on this little plan and they didn't tell the whole truth about what they got for that land, the amount of money they got for that land. Which kind of takes us back to the very beginning in Genesis when we read about Adam and Eve. They too connived and tried to get around what God wanted them to do or not do, and they too sinned. So, the, so they sold the land and held back part of it and were telling the apostles uh, that they were going to give all this to the poor. And it would have been okay to have taken part of that money, just part of it, and given it for that cause and keeping the rest of it if that's what they had said they were going to do. But as we know, they, they said they were going to give it all. They weren't going to keep part of it. And so that was the whole part problem there is that they didn't tell the truth they wanted praises of men and there and as as peter said they lied to the holy spirit and to god and jesus spoke against this very thing in matthew 6 verses 1 through 4 he said take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them otherwise ye have no reward of your father which is in heaven therefore when thou dost alms do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have the glory of man verily I say unto you they have their reward but when thou doest alms let not thy left hand know what the right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly so we don't want to do things just to be seen by men I'll give you an example that, that kind of I always think about when I read this particular scripture. Oh, probably 20 years ago, when I was working in Leveland, this, there, was a, there was a lady there that uh, she was having some health issues, and so uh, there was a, uh, a fundraiser for her to take care of her hospital bills and so forth, and a community fundraiser. And uh, they were giving away a a big screen TV, and back then, you know, a big screen TV was something else. That's what we all, we just see that in Walmart now all the time. But back then, you didn't have big screen TVs like that too much, and so it was a big thing. Everybody wanted one. And that was all good and fine and everything, except that lady came into the bank one day, and she brought all the money in that had been collected. And she started bragging about how she got all this she got this thing going and, and she did all this work and nobody else did any work and she did this and she did that. And I know that she did a lot of work, but it kind of turned me off of what she was doing because it had turned in to be all about her and not about the lady that was sick. And could be that was just my opinion, but that's the way I took it because she kept talking about what all she had done and we don't want to do that 
we want to uh, take care of God's people. Uh, we want to take care of people that don't even know God. And by doing that, we can have a great influence on them more than we'd ever know. So Peter found out what Ananias and Sapphira had done. I'm not sure exactly how he found out, but he found it out. And he called them on the carpet, and Peter asked Ananias about this price for the land. How much he'd, had he give, uh, how much he had given, and Ananias lied, and, and he died immediately. Immediately, when he gave that answer, he died. Satan had tempted Ananias, and he fell to the temptation much like Satan tries to do to us today. We have to be so careful. In James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, the Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So as we can see, it did bring forth death. Three hours later, Sapphira, not knowing anything that had been discussed with Peter, was asked the same question about the price of the land, and she again lied, and she as well died right there on the spot. It says in verse 11 that uh, fear came upon all the church. Well, I bet it did. I mean, you've seen two people in a matter of three hours that told a lie and they died right there I think that would have an impact on me I don't know about you but I think <laughs> I think that it would not be a coincidence that that happened and it said fear came upon all the church and an interesting thing about that word church is uh this is the first reference so far in Acts that the body of Christians are referred to as the church. So that's interesting, isn't it, that we have some people today that, you know, you, uh, you have to be accepted into their congregation, you have to be voted into their congregation, whatever the protocol is. But we all know that if you believe in the name of Jesus or baptized, uh, that you're added right then and there. And uh, that's what uh, that shows. To me, that's more proof there because it said that we just read about these people being saved and that's referring to them as, as the church. So we can't take sin lightly. Galatians 6, uh, verse 7 and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So we have two choices, destruction or everlasting life. And I know what we all want, which is everlasting life. Look at verses 12 through 16. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets 
and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. So the apostles, a lot of, a lot of sick people, a lot of people with unclean spirits, so on and so forth, people had a lot of problems. Things that couldn't, didn't appear like they could be fixed. And it says everyone was healed. Everyone. Not some, but everyone. And so, as a result of this, a lot of people believed. They believed on Jesus as a result of this. And believing in Jesus caused them to be added to the church, as we mentioned earlier. And so, up through last week, we'd seen 5,000 had been saved in, in two sermons, basically. And now we don't know how many, but it said multitudes had now been saved. So it's just an enormous amount of people uh, from what all they're doing and seeing and hearing. People had so much faith that it says there that, uh, you know, if, if, if they could just get their sick person if Peter's shadow could just go over their sick person, they had so much faith that they thought that that would, that would heal them. That's a lot of faith, isn't it? But they had seen what had happened. And as we talked about last week, there was a 40-year-old man there that had been sick all his life, and all of a sudden he's well. So it was definitely something to... Uh, that impressed them, something that they really uh, took took hold of. Now let's look on and start in verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which is a sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came in, or came, and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought but when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had op opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. The Sanhedrin council was not very happy with, with Peter and the apostles. They had been warned, told, had been in prison numerous times before and told not to 
go out and speak about Jesus, this man called Jesus. And so again, as a result, they were taken back to jail once again. This uh, Sanhedrin council was made up mainly of Sadducees, and as you may recall, they, had, they didn't believe that there was a resurrection. They, they didn't believe that at all. And that's what Jesus, that's what the apostles had, uh, had focused on, is, is him being, being uh, killed and then raised from the dead. So they didn't like it at all. They were, not only had they disobeyed what they were told, but then they were teaching things that, that they didn't like either. People were responding to these teaching, and it caused much jealousy because the high priest and the Sanhedrin, again, they wanted, kind of like Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to have all the glory. They wanted people to, quote, bow down to them and tell them how important they were and all those things. And so they didn't like someone in on their territory, so to speak. So while they're in jail, an angel appeared and told them to go stand in the temple and, and to, to preach again. And um, strange thing about that, you know, the guards were there. The doors were never unlocked that they could see. And they were perplexed about this because... They had escaped, but yet no one had seen them. Nobody had unlocked the door, so on and so forth. How was this possible? How could this be? You've got to have a key to unlock the door. Not in this case. Not in this case. Reading on in verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and high priest and asked them, saying, did, we, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name, or in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all people, all the people, and commanded to, to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said to them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves and to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, uh, the Judas, I guess, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who were slain. And all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him, and he also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For it, if this counsel 
or his, this work be of men, it, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Once again, when they were caught again preaching, their lives were threatened. And especially, you know, when they were told, you know, you're the reason, you're the reason that Jesus died. You killed him. They didn't like it. They didn't like that at all. And they got really upset, and they, they just got, it was kind of like a mob thing, I guess, and they, they just, they were going to kill him right then and there. But then this gentleman, of uh, Gamaliel, uh, who was well-respected, uh, he said, wait, wait, let's hold up a little bit. And tell you a little bit about him, just a little history. He was a Pharisee. He was a doctor of the Mosaic Law. Uh, he was... He was highly respected in the Sanhedrin Council. And in Acts 22.3, we find that he, he even tutored Saul. Um, I'll read that. 22.3, it says, uh, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, you, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye... You are all to this day. So he had even uh, tutored or taught uh, Saul. And he said it wouldn't be a good idea to kill these men. That's not, that's not a good idea. And he gave them two examples. Told them about two different men who had great fo had following at first, but they didn't have anything to stand on. And so they died, and their followers just kind of faded out into the sunset, so to speak. He said, uh, if, if what these people are teaching is from men, like these other two I've told you about, then it'll, it'll go away too. You don't have to worry about it. But if it is of God, then you might want to just forget about it because you can't, you can't compete with God. And so I guess by them respecting him and them kind of thinking about it, and maybe in the back of their mind, even thinking about all that these apostles had done that no other man could have done, um, they said, okay, we're, we, won't, we, won't, we won't kill them. But they did beat them, scourge them, whip them, whatever term you want to use, but they did uh, hurt them again, if you would, physically, and told them one more time, do not go out. And do not teach about this Jesus. Now this part right here is one that I can't even really, I can't even, I can't really imagine this. It says they went, they went out rejoicing after they had been beaten. I can't imagine myself being beaten to a pulp. And then going out and rejoicing about that. But that's because 
I probably didn't have all the faith, and I didn't have all the the uh, see all the things that God had done for 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 me like they did, because they considered it an honor for that to have happened to them. It's hard for me to imagine, but Jesus had warned that this could happen. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 17, he, Jesus said, But beware of me, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And so, at this time, the apostles went on from this point and continu- continued to teach about Jesus. Having been beaten, having been threatened to be killed, they didn't stop talking about Jesus. Why is that? Because they knew that this physical life is only for a little while. But we have trouble. Kerry, he realizes that from the day he was born that he's dying. I have one last day to live than I had yesterday. But still, I like to hang on to this life. You know, it's a pretty good life. You know, I've I've got a pretty good thing going here. And... uh, but then you look around and you look at all what we've just been talking about here lately, about all this stuff that's going on, all these, this virus and these, uh, these uh, protests, and not protests, but the uh, terrorism and all that kind of stuff. It's dissension, politics. It's, it's not something that, that's not good stuff that's going on. We have something so much more to look forward to if we'll think of it on those terms. So, having read all this, what are we going to take home from here? Because, you know, anytime we read the Bible, there's something that applies to us. As Coulter said last week, they weren't facing the same things that we're facing today. But we do face things... Um, that in life that aren't pleasant sometimes, what can we get from this scripture to help us in our daily walk? If you remember in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his image, and the image of God created him, male and female, he created he them. We are made in God's image. And to me, if we're made in God's image, we need to try our best, even though it's not possible, we can't be God, we can't ever walk a perfect day, but we can definitely try to do that and try to set the example that he would want us to do. We need to remember whose we are, basically. We need to remember who, who created us, who died for us. We need to remember that God does not lie, he does not deceive people. And I'm always hearing things like, if God really loved people like he says he does, why does he allow this to happen? Why does he allow that to happen? Or, if God really loved us, why would he ever send anybody to hell? Good point. But the thing about it is, is we have to take that one step further. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he sent his son to die for us, so that we wouldn't have to. So we have to go a little bit further than just leave it there. In Titus 1, 
two, the Bible says, "In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began." So we have another scripture that that tells us that God cannot lie. Well, what about a little white lie? A white lie is not as bad as a as a big lie. It's just a little. Well, you know, I think that's just Satan working on us because a lie is a lie. You know, uh, the truth is always the best thing to, set, to do. Maybe it's uncomfortable at the time. Maybe it keeps you from getting your promotion or whatever it is that you're striving to get. But we don't need to lie. Another thing is the apostles delighted to be able to suffer for Jesus. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you that in... In me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Life's full of troubles. For most of us we have a good life. I have a good life. But there are troubles. He says we're going to have tribulation. But he's overcome the world. And that's what we have to remember. The apostles defied human decrees that conflicted with God. They basically said it's better to do what God says than do what man says. Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. God, uh, you know, life is, life is full of stuff. It's full of stuff. And this stuff can become idols. And we need to serve God rather than this stuff. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. You and I need to talk to people about God in good times and in bad times. We need to, we need to talk to them about God. You know, the old saying goes, you might be the only Bible they see today. That could be very true. But we need to mention God more. We need to talk about God more. Uh, as in chapter 4 where they ask for boldness we need to be more bold I need to be more bold you might not but I do I need to be more bold and not worry about what others are going to say about that when we do things for show rather than out of sincerity of our hearts we may fool men but we're not going to fool God God knows all things now interesting as we're getting close to the end here, I had uh, Psalms 11.4 to read right now. And uh, I'm going to read two different versions uh, in light of uh, our lesson this morning. I thought it was kind of amusing to myself that <clears throat> I was going to give you the... Uh, NIV version of this verse but I'll just give you both of them because uh, that chart showed that the NIV is thought for thought so I don't know you know but I'll read both versions and we'll see what we get out of this so in uh, in Psalms 11 4 in the King James versions it reads like this <clears throat> the Lord is in his holy temple the Lord's throne of 
is in heaven. His eyes behold his eyelids. Try the children, try the children of men. The NIV reads like this, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. But he does see everything we do. We don't escape what God, you know, he, he sees what we do. So, four things that I want, I got out of this whole thing basically is that I'm made in the image of God. I, didn't, I need to remember whose I am and live my life to the best of that ability. I need to be honest at all times, even if it's not popular, even if it's going to bring me some turmoil at work or, or whatever the case may be, I need to be honest. I need to obey God rather than men because men will fail you in the end. God never will. And lastly, I need to teach people daily. I need to talk about God to them daily. And that's in the good times and the bad. Because in the bad times, I always think about 9-11. I think I brought this up before. But you know, when 9-11 happened, and some of you weren't born then, but most of us were, a lot of knees hit the floor to pray when that happened. More than you ever heard about. People talking about praying all the time. That was bad times. Shouldn't we do the same in good times? I think we should. I mean, we have something to celebrate. We have a home in heaven. We're bound for the promised land, as you would. Other people may not be. So why do we want to keep that a secret? We shouldn't. So we should talk about it more. You may have... Uh, been studying about what God wants you to do. It's not complicated how we become a child of God. In fact, it's very simple, but men have made it really complicated. We've tried to put our own twist on it. Um, when the Bible is very clear how we become a child of God, he didn't make it complicated. He made it real simple. Basically, though, remember, he died. He sent his son to die for you and me so that we wouldn't be hanging there. And so maybe you've been taught, maybe you've been studying, and you're ready to, uh, to do that and put on Christ and baptism. And there's water right behind me, and it's ready for that. This would be a good day to do it. Like I said, there's we live with a lot of tribulation in this world. Sometimes it gets to us. Sometimes we forget to read the Bible as David talked about this morning. Sometimes it's got dust on it. Um, we find other things to do besides reading it. Maybe you have kind of gotten weak and not read it and maybe you're falling away, having some difficulty. You know, nobody will judge you if you're asking for prayer and help. There won't be a person in here that ridicules you for asking for prayer. So we always offer an invitation. If you'll get your songbooks out at this time, 
we always offer an invitation because we never know the hearts. I don't know your heart. You don't know mine. But we're here to help you in any way. So if you do have a need, we'd like to ask you to come as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.